morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in this lovely world of ours. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And we have found ourselves already into the month of August, which is insane. Seems like just yesterday we were saying Merry Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. This is episode 133. And uh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. August 3rd, ah. 2019. Oof. It's, uh, hmm. I don't know. I was, I was a bit surprised by that when, when we were looking at the date today and I was like, ooh, this summer is just kind of blasting by. And not, not that I'm necessarily against that because it gets pretty hot, but actually we've had an uncharacteristically mild summer. That's what you said last year. It continues to be that way. Well, mm. last year, like for the most part, it was milder, but there was like, I would say by the time we hit August, it got pretty uncomfortably hot. But for some reason this year though, I mean, we've had like rain over and over and over again through June, July. And even like today, for instance, we had rain Yeah, a little bit, but not, I mean, it, ca- so it caused the, the temperature to drop again. So yeah, it was about 80 and it was continued to be 80 degrees and it was nice. I'm telling you. When in August hits around here, it's normal for it to be between 100 to 110 degrees plus humidity. So, <laughs> like I said, not complaining at all, but uh, it's very, I don't know, it's very different. So, anyway, uh, we're doing things a little more haphazardly this episode just because I've been pretty busy working on uh, El Studio. That's right. <laughs> So we're going to forego, of course, uh, you might have noticed our joygasm, uh, our future joygasm moment will not be aired this episode. We'll continue that in uh, the next episode. So. Ah. But we can talk about what each of our personal joygasm of the week has been. Steve, what is your personal joygasm of the week? You know, I, uh, I, haven't, I, I haven't had one, Russell. I've hardly done any kind of game. I've done a little bit, as in like, this morning, mm. <laughs> but that's been about it. I haven't, har- I've hardly watched anything all week. I have watched some stuff, but nothing really stood out. Yeah. You know, nothing was a, a kabang, a boom, like a, oh, wow, that was amazing. So awesome. Very cool. Golly. Mm-hmm. Nothing, none of that stuff, Russ. Well, I had one. Uh, I actually had uh, a few that were in the, the running, but the one that won out was me actually watching Jim Lee's Twitch channel. And I think he's been doing this now for about two years. But for me, I um, I had kind of started seeing in my YouTube searches that um, he was having little drawing tutorials here and there and that sort of thing. And so I got used to watching him a bit on YouTube. And then finally, I started going over to Twitch and seeing what all the, the fuss was about, so to speak. And I got to say, uh, I, I am very happy and uh, excited to be able to see that he apparently, if, if I understand it correctly, I think he is giving one drawing tutorial. It's either per week or every other week. I'm not exactly sure how the schedule works out, but absolutely fantastic. Everybody, I think, on the show knows as well as you do that um, I'm a huge Jim Lee fan And uh, just the fact that he's making time to be able to just give these little um, tutorials and the tutorials themselves, I mean, they could last anywhere between like 30 minutes to an hour. I mean, it's pretty involved and he'll take some sort of 
focused approach, whether it's drawing heads at a three quarter angle or it's drawing, you know, how to draw the backside of an arm anatomically correct, or maybe he'll do like a full body drawing. In fact, there was one that he did uh, when Stan Lee recently passed that week. He ended up drawing Spider-Man, which I mean, to my understanding, I think that's a pretty big rarity for him to actually draw that character simply because he's never had to draw in the past. When he was at Marvel, he was focused on X-Men. And then of course he went to image and had his own characters. And now he's at DC. So it was a pretty cool treat to be able to see him sketch out his rendition of the Webhead. <laughs> but I mean, I think it it is tremendously valuable to be able to watch him do his thing, especially considering that, you know, for me, I haven't really gotten down and sketched in years. I am so you are. rusty and everything I else. I was going to say something to you. But I got to say, watching him has inspired me to break out my Bridgman books, which those were some of the, the criteria back when I was in college. It was, I was taking figure drawing. Bridgman is kind of like the go-to standard. And I was really happy to hear Jim actually talk during his tutorials. I guess someone was asking, Hey, who are some classically trained artists that you can recommend when you start studying how to draw? And he immediately went to Bridgman as well. So I was like, Oh, right on. That's cool. So that was my joygasm of the week, Steve. I definitely look forward to being able to be a, a steady fan and watcher of uh, the stuff that he puts up there. So. Speaking of watching, uh, I did watch A Quiet Place. Oh, what did you think? It was definitely long, as hardly anybody spoke, uh-huh. but it was different, which is a good thing. Yeah, pretty intense at times, I thought. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of... You know, if if people aren't speaking all that much, then they really have to express mm-hmm. what their face and their nonverbal body language, right? And so that's basically what the whole movie was. It kind of ended like I thought it was going to end. I didn't expect some stuff to happen, which did, but um, they, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You know, for a PG thirteen thriller kind of movie, it was it was pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I thought that was a. A pretty cool movie. I ended up watching it on Xbox Live, and um, and it's neat to see a, a married celebrity couple tag team a yeah. creative project like that. I thought they did a great job. Yeah. So you know, it's funny. I cannot watch that thriller movies though at night anymore. I I need to make my mind <laughs> calm, which is funny because I watch Twenty Four before I go to bed, and I, for some reason I can still watch that and be fine. But like real like, kind of scary ish. Thriller movies, not. Nah. So I had to watch it like during the day. Yeah. Because, you know, if I was, if my energy was up, I could just go to the gym, get it out. But before I went to bed, nah. So what else have you been up to this week? Uh, that have was you been, been playing anything? Not particularly. I, I mean, t- this morning I got a little further in uh, in Call of Duty, World War II. And I feel like I'm getting towards the end of it. I gotta be. Yeah. But the missions are relatively short. I wish they were, I wish, I wish it was longer and I wish it wasn't such like on the rails. Uh-huh. Like I was playing it earlier today and I th- there's things in the game you can do. Like if, if there's a wounded soldier, you can grab him, you can pull him aside to kind of, to kind of safety, uh, which will keep him alive instead of him just laying out there calling for help and then ending up dying. Right, right. But you don't know, I, I, I don't know where I'm pulling him, but I could hear calls for help. And I saw, so I start to turn around and run the other way so I can help my, my soul, my, my, uh, my, my army, my, you know, the, the military, your squad or <laughs> your squad, platoon, my platoon, your people, you. I'm trying. your my army, people. your soldiers, <laughs> <laughs> my men in uniform with guns, my homo sapiens. 
My individuals? The people who are not shooting me. <laughs> I was trying to help them. The people in helmets that were not Golly. trying to actively kill me. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, so. The people who were blending into their environment very well. <laughs> I was thinking of pee, platypus, uh, puppy, um, <laughs> popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain's like pee, 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 pee. <laughs> So anyhow I ran the other way Which I was trying to get to I ran the other way It's amazing how productive that is To run the other way Right In many situations And then I would get this message on the screen Saying you're basically We're gonna, we're gonna kill you if you well, I mean, It was a red skull that said Leaving mission So I thought oh. okay If I go too far away It's just gonna kill me Maybe they, they would think I was Stand and fight, soldier. Right. So all I want to do was, was help people out. But so it, it's really just on the rails, which, you know, I guess to some extent they have to keep it that way. But hmm, I don't really care for that. Anyhow. Well, as you know, I have been enjoying playing Alien Isolation. We actually twitched that. Um, I know that you were a bit bored, though. I was crazy bored. Yeah. I think a game like that is much more intense for the person who's actually playing it. Because for me, like, it was just... The whole premise of that game is it's a cat and mouse game mechanic. So you you never know when the alien's going to drop in on you. They randomize it. It's procedural every time. So you don't know how it's going to happen. So you wind up having to really tiptoe around. And if you run or you make sudden movements and stuff, that's going to attract more uh, deadliness mm -hmm. your way. More so peril. See, there's a P word. Uh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> So I apologize that you were you were bored oh, by it, but um, I, I was I was really looking forward to to being able to show you the game just because it is a very unique experience. I would say like if you were to actually give it a try, mm -hmm. I'd be curious to see if you still felt bored or if you're like, ooh, yeah, okay, I'm feeling the uh, the immersive ambiance of it because the game really does a nice job of drawing you in. In fact, I would say it's almost like. The movies in that regard where the movies almost has this really sneaky way of drawing you into the world of aliens and and kind of the oppressive sci-fi, I don't know, just, just the, the nuances that are there. And I, I really think that the, the game developers did a really nice job of recreating that in earnest. And you can tell that just as you go along, and, and I know you haven't, We oh, I keep forgetting, we need to get you caught up because you've, you've never seen the alien movies. I put it on the list. I, it's all, well. You have it. Do you have it? I have uh, aliens. Okay. I don't. I'm not sure if I have the. F I have to check my library. I don't remember if I have the first alien, but I do have aliens, which is the James Cameron it's, film. It's on my list. Here, I'll move it up for you. Rose. There. Well, thank you. I'll Steve. move it up. Oh, thank you, Steve. So anyway, I played that, and what else did I do? I, you know, I ended up watching uh, Avengers: Infinity War. Okay. Just because I was in the mood for a little Infinity War action, I think just due to last week's announcement of them getting to the, the King of the Hill, it just it forced me, well, not forced me, but I found myself. How about that for a, an F word? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, wow. Really. I found myself uh, being in the mood to want to be able to watch it again. And, oh, man, that's so good. It's such a great film. And I, and I found myself thinking also about how any one of these Marvel movies is just so fun to be able to pop in at just a random notice and relive the enjoyment of those films, which is saying something because for me, you know, my favorite all time comic book character is Batman, which is DC. And I often find that the Marvel films 
obviously, I mean, they're, they're not designed to be as dark as the dark Knight. But having said that, you know, it's, it's still just really fun. The, the, the chemistry in those films is some of the best I've seen in a long time. And they just keep it going in that regard with the relationships. By the way, Netflix rates Alien, a two-star for me, Aliens, plural, Yes, as three and a half stars. I would say Aliens is probably my favorite out of the entire bunch. But I got to watch the first one before the second one. Yes. Okay. It's one of those films that, well, I, I would say series or franchise. How about franchise? Franchise is a good word. I would say it's the type of franchise where you really do need to watch it chronologically. And actually, you are at in a bit of an advantage just because you'll be able to watch some of the stuff. And then when you get to Prometheus, if you didn't watch Prometheus. and I heard Prometheus wasn't that good. Okay, so Prometheus, there are things about it that are very well done. The art direction is extremely well done. Some of the new ideas that they introduce into the world of it is very well done. I think the problem, and I think that this is kind of, it's it's a problem that extends, I think ever since Alien 3, I would say, which is that I think the creators don't really know how to move forward necessarily. Like it's, it's almost the case of X-Files. Like when you watch the X-Files TV show, they were all about answering questions by bringing up new questions and having that sense of mystery to it. And it really captivated an audience for quite a while, but then the audience started to kind of get fed up with not ever really knowing what the heck was going on. It was almost like they were, they were a slave to their own creative content, if that makes any sense. So anyway, it's for me, I think that that's kind of the case, but I will say that with Ridley Scott being back in the director's chair with Prometheus and then um, the, the alien movie that came out after that, they were starting to, answer some of like kind of more of the, the, I guess you could call it legacy questions in terms of the origins of how the aliens came to be and that sort of thing. So I'll leave it at that because you haven't seen it. And, okay. You know, I'd be curious to see, obviously it's like, you know, it's kind of like the survival horror sci-fi genre. And I don't really know how you feel about that, that type of movie. I don't even know what kind of movies you've seen that are in that genre. It's been a minute. Russ. I mean, can you think of anything that like even is remotely close to that? No, I have well, not anything in the in the very recent past. No, it's been a while. It's been a while, Russ. Well, but there, but to, but to be fair, there hasn't been a whole lot of movies made like that have been really good of that genre recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Actually, I want to disagree <laughs> because Blade Runner 2049 came out. Yeah, that's well, that's I wouldn't and while classify I w- that. As- I wouldn't classify it as survival horror, but I do classify it as that dystopian sci-fi future yeah. type of movie. So like it, it was a bit different um, just in terms of that, that the horror element of it. But other than that, it's, it's actually very much in line. It didn't have any horror element to it. It was, it was way sci-fi. Well, yeah. I mean, and you, did you see the, you don't see, you didn't see the first Blade Runner, did you? Yes, I did. You did. Oh man. Okay. 
I didn't see like the director's cut. I would go so far as to say the first one actually bared more of a similar resemblance to Aliens in the sense that you had the replicants who were very much trying to go after Harrison Ford's character. In fact, at the the very end, you know, you had kind of the leader of the the replicants that um, was hunting him and everything else. And while he didn't have like a little mini head inside of his mouth that came out and trying to get him, (laughs) there was still very much that element of fear that was there. So are you sure you've seen it? The first one? Yes. Matter of fact, I made you watch it with me one more time before we went to see Blade Runner 49 in this room. Okay. Okay. You forgot about that too. Nice. I do. You know, Steve, my pigeonholes are full. I've got a lot going on these days. But that's what makes it so fun to talk to someone like me. It's like I'm hearing something for the first time, even though I've heard it like 10 times already. Well, bust out your action-packed testosterone. It's time for the topic of the day. What's the matter? You got a lot of bad guys behind that door? took something from me. A virus that could wipe out half the population, and I want it back. You wanna tell me just what we're dealing with here? It's my sister, family, business. When it's the fate of the world, it becomes my business. This whole thing sounds really dodgy. Look after your sister. Listen, I'll handle it. The only way we survive is working together like a team. Let's do this. Buckle up, fat boy. On my three. One. Ah! <laughs> Woo! Hey, see the look on his face? You have no idea how long I've been waiting to do that. Yeah, because it's water The music's already started. Let's see if we can get in sync. So you guys are being hunted by an army of mercenaries led by a genetically enhanced soldier. Look at me. I'm Black Superman. You're crazy. Damn. He really is Black Superman. You need to get off the grid. Where? Home. 
my babies come home. I'm sorry to bring trouble here, Mama, but I need my brothers. This family is going to war. We're gonna need cars and guns. Mama, where's all our guns? I can't read of them. Very noble, Mrs. Hobbs. No one sure is trouble. That's an understatement. Let's get old school. Well, all right. And I hope that's the last time I see that trailer. <laughs> I've seen, man, I think every single time we've been to the theater, they've played that trailer. They have really marketed this one aggressively, haven't they? Yes, they have. Well, our topic of the day is our review of Fast and Furious <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw. I believe it is the correct full length title. Fast and the Furious Presents. Well, see, I Hobbs th- and Shaw. Okay, I think the presents is correct. I think though they took out the thes. I think it's just Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Hmm. That's a that's a, that's an interesting one to look at here. Take a look. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm correct on IMDb. It's Fast and Furious, but you are correct, Stephen. That the word presents is present, <laughs> and that pun was intended. Now. I am particularly curious about what your high-level thoughts are of this film. Of course, it goes without saying, we're going to give our spoiler-free high-level impressions of the film before we take the spoiler elevator down and get drilled down into the spoiler version of what took place. So, Steve. What? Do tell. Yeah, okay. Well. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) So, I will say, let me just start off. Okay. Let me just start off saying it wasn't as bad as that I thought, but I set the bar pretty low uh-huh. because I mean, like, I now, let me really- stop you right there. Are you a Fast and Furious fan by tradition standards? Like, like, no. or have you have you been a fan of the the older Fast? No. And I, well, I would not call myself a fan. No, I enjoyed the first. You're a car guy. <sighs> I enjoyed the first film. Didn't really enjoy the second film too much. The third film I really did enjoy. Matter of fact, I own the third film. Uh, and then after that, I I just really stopped paying attention, I'll be honest. Don't they, they have like four, five, six, and seven? Um, it they definitely have five, fast five. That's I I think that was <laughs> it. I don't know anything past that one. But anyway, Paul Walker died. Yes. And so that was a big hit to the series. The series is still popular. Oh, it's it's insanely popular. Oh man! Every time I talk to people, I mean, they're just yeah. They, they, it's, it's a very lucrative franchise. Continue. 
So I think they had to satisfy the fans because the fans are going, okay, what's what's happening with this franchise? And Hollywood still wants to make money with it. So I think this was like an interim kind of movie mm. because a lot of the other actors and actresses from the series did not make an appearance. They're not there. It's literally just Hobbs and Shaw. Mm. So I think this just was like a placeholder kind of marker in between to keep the fans happy and salivating for more until they figure out whatever they're going to do with the story. Okay. But so I, I did set the bar relatively low. I thought, okay, here we go. We gotta, we're going to go see this thing. That being said, I I was entertained, but after that, it, you know, it just kind of got old a little bit quick. It was an action movie. Predictable. Um, it seemed like the story was just there to kind of connect all the rest of the action um, but I did like seeing, of course, I mean, Dwayne Johnson's always great on camera. I mean, the, the dude just had, he has a he has, wonderful yeah, presence. Sp- yeah, screen yeah. presence, sure. And Jason Statham is the classic kind of cookie cutter character that he always plays, which is absolutely fine. I think if you go to the movie to see Jason Statham, you're going to feel bad if he doesn't act exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, and it's kind of funny because actors don't want to be typecast that way, but with Jason Statham, I mean, since he's played so many other characters, yeah. you know, it kind of just fits him. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, I didn't like seeing both of them on screen. It's funny because Jason Statham could really have the chemistry with whoever it is who's like the lead role, like Sylvester Stallone. He sure. could still have the chemistry with him yep. and, and Expendables. And in this one, he could still have the, the chemistry with Dwayne Johnson. So anyway, that that's saying something for so him. So would you recommend this film to some of the folks who haven't seen it yet or not? Well... I would say if you're really just looking to put your brain at the door and not think about anything and you just want to go have some laughs and some giggles and be like, whatever, I'm just going to watch it. You know, just like I did, then fine. I don't know about if it's worth, you know, spending top dollar and waiting in line at the theater. However, you just want to action flick and have some fun and, you know. You owe me money for that ticket, by the way. Yeah, I haven't forgotten about that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm kind of in the same boat as you where, okay, so for myself, like I, historically speaking, have not been a huge Fast and the Furious fan. And so, but what was really weird was like when I saw the trailers for this particular film, I was the one who was starting to kind of get us in the mindset to go check it out. And it was the weirdest thing because I think this particular film is a it's kind of a splintering off story from the main story of fast and the furious. Cause you didn't have all the normal uh, actors and, and the characters that the fast and the furious is known for. And so I think that's partly why I was really interested in it because it had more of that um, kind of elite spy versus spy espionage, save the world kind of thing thing to it, but it wasn't like, oh, let me, you know, have my souped up car with nitro go racing around again. Right. Um, and I, I found that very appealing. Plus I'm a fan of the rock and I'm even a more of a fan of Jason Statham, like you said. So, I mean, it was for some reason, the chemistry in that, and I think what, what sold me on it was that whole scene where like, he asked, he was like, what door you want? He's like, I'll take that door. And he goes, no, that's my door. Pick another door. You know, just, there was, and we'll, and we'll talk much more about this later on, but I really found myself just, just having more of a, um, 
an affinity with the the chemistry between the two of them as they they were they were almost bickering not even bickering but they were like giving each other hard times and crap like like brothers do honestly like when you're teasing each other and whatever else and i thought man you know what i think if they can continue doing that throughout the film i think i'm gonna find myself kind of having a good time with this so I do agree, though. I think that in terms of it being an action movie, the, the plot line itself was just very predictable. Honestly, I think that the trailers themselves, I didn't realize how much the trailer just gave. I mean, the trailer basically showed the entire movie mm-hmm. uh, over the course of about two and a half minutes. Uh, but having said that, though, I must say it was, uh, it, it was it was a fun movie. Definitely park your brain at the door kind of thing. If you want to just go have a fun type of type of action movie, it's over the top. It's pretty ridiculous. It's no John Wick. I no. will say that John well, John Wick is like if if you want like like what what I go to and I get all jazzed on an action movie, it's like John Wick. That that's like I think it's the same for you. Well, yeah. Well, that one's a pure action movie. This one's more like action. I mean, this is exactly action comedy. Yeah. It's not action like slapstick comedy, right. but it's definitely action comedy. Yeah, it's, it has a bit more of a, a lighter side. So, but in a, I will let me make one more point here, brother. Make one more point. Thank you. Mm, sure, Steve. So, what might have been the goal also is that you don't have to see the, all the other Fast and Furious movies, as I'm sure you found out last night, to really understand what's going on with this movie. So, and I, I don't think so, and that's why they didn't call this like Fast and Furious six or seven or 25 or whatever the number is mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's not, it's just it's splintering off. So I think it might be, it's almost like a standalone. Yeah. It's a standalone film to get people, more people to watch it, to please the fans, but get more people into it. So they think, okay, what else happened in the fast and furious? I mean, they, and Dwayne Johnson said like, he's saved the world before. So like maybe, four, this is the fourth time or right, something like that. He was exactly. Saying, yeah. So that, that might be another goal of theirs with the movie. Well, what won't you to do, Steve? So I want you to saunter into this elevator with me. Can you do that? When you, okay. When you say you're... Ah, I'm sorry. I couldn't understand if ah. my phlegm. When you say your T's, you can't really pronounce the T. It's more like... So you, you, you can't say elevator. It's more like, I want you to get in to this elevator. That's very true. But how about you say it the way you say it? And I'll say it. We all say it. <laughs> now push the button. We haven't even started to move yet. Oh, I like pushing buttons. Now you push the button. I didn't say it. Don't push that button. Push that button. <laughs> I'll push all the buttons. <laughs> and there's no way you can stop me. Oh, look what you did there. You're, you're just being a little bloody wanker over there, aren't you? <laughs> there's no way to get down to the spoiler floor. You bring all your guns. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to have left my knives at home. You left your knives? I left my knives. Oh, what do you think? We're going to a bloody picnic. <laughs> <laughs> Did you at least bring the butter knife? <sighs> ah. I do believe this is our floor. Now, why don't you get out of my way? So we are at the spoiler uh, edition of this podcast. So if you haven't seen the movie, make sure you don't keep listening. Unless you just don't care, then keep listening, you know, because we don't care. So as it applies to the plot, 
there really wasn't much of a plot. Um, is it, you know, it's, it's, it's your typical kind of, there's some sort of horrible situation going on, whether it's a virus or it's a, a nuclear bomb. It could wipe out, uh, most of humanity kind of thing, which, Hey, you know, that works in an action movie. I think what is <clears throat> worth kicking this whole thing off is the dynamic that we touched upon earlier, which is I really do love the chemistry between the rock and Jason Statham's characters. I think that them having that kind of constant bickering and almost like kind of a, a testosterone fest against each other. Honestly, those are, those are probably my favorite parts of the film. I, d- I loved it when they started to just give each other crap. Well, that uh, one scene, the, like the beginning, it was fine. However, it, it seemed like that was going to be a theme throughout the movie after like the second time. I thought, okay, here we go again. And then there was another time and then another time. And granted, You are such a negative Nancy. <laughs> well, no. I mean, if, if you have uh, a joke and you say, okay, that joke was funny and we know it's all funny. So later on, let's mix the joke up and then say it again. And so we'll get another laugh. It's almost like a cheap way to, to not write something else. I know what you're saying, but I disagree in this instance because the, the way that the setup of the joke takes place, it, it lends itself to opportunities to be able to like have a different like starting point. And then they just play off each other for that. I don't know. Like I, I've, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but like the, I mean, the, the, there was a, that time when they were in the interrogation room and there was another time when they were on the, the jet one was just super funny with them going back and forth. But I, I must say I, that was one of the big high points for me personally was that. And then the other component was actually the surprises that I had no idea was in store for us, which is Ryan Reynolds was in it. Right. And those were some of my favorite scenes too, was like just the banter going back. In fact, I think that's a better word for it. It's not that they were like bickering so much as it's more of like a, like a banter going back and forth. It was, it was just hilarious just watching them go back and forth. And I think they did a really good job with the casting of it because I don't think they could have pulled that off if they had cast other people for that role. But I think, you know, like, like Dwayne Johnson, for instance, he comes from the WWE, like they're known to trash talk each other. And that's part of the fun of watching WWE is watching these crazy ripped burly dudes, like just, just go to town against each other. and, And, you know, it's just fun to watch that. So, we have him and then watching someone like Jason Statham, who obviously he's from the UK and, <laughs> you know, he's just so he's as cool as a cucumber, you know, just, just nothing phases him. But to watch him get kind of tweaked and stuff is just really funny. And it brought honestly, it brought me back to the snatch days with some of the lines that were that he had with Tommy and stuff and how he get kind of uh, you know frustrated with them or or. Um, I don't know, just feeling exasperated. Actually, it's funny you say Snatch because it seemed like there was directing elements similar to Guy Ritchie. Yes. As far as like the timing between uh, conversations. Yeah, I saw, I, well, I didn't see it, but I, I had that feeling at times where like I, it wasn't like front and center, but it was definitely like, it just kind of entered my, my brain for a moment or two here and there. And again, also, um, the, uh, 
heck is his name? Um, Who was it, Ross? The other surprise cameo, which was... Kevin Hart? Kevin Hart. I want to say Kevin Smith. I'm like, I know it's not Kevin Smith. But yeah, I mean, seeing Kevin Hart all of a sudden wheel around on the jet and just start doing his thing too. And of course, we know that Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson have this really dynamic, fun, on-screen presence together when like like Jumanji, for instance, was just hilarious and some of the other ones. And of course, if you watch them on social media, they're always giving each other a hard time just teasing each other and it's all in good jest. But it's fantastic to be able to bring some of these guys into the fold for this particular movie. And honestly, my opinion is I would love it if they actually continue to extrapolate that out farther where like they continue to bring in more of these edgy comedians and stuff into the film Cause it would just be hilarious like over and over, you know, depending on what they are and they don't have to constantly be on Dwayne's side or Jason Statham's side. Maybe they're villains or whatever, or maybe they're neutral characters. I don't know. But if they were to spend time actually fleshing out this world, honestly, I think that would be one of the pillars of the film moving forward. If they were, if they were to make sequels and of course keep, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Hart, that sort of thing, keep them going. Cause I mean, it's just, I don't know. What, what did you think of that? Yeah, I, I thought it was a different. It was it was a welcome element. Um, let me put it that way because the other Fast and Furious movies, it was too much about being cool and yes. this crazy off the wall chain, never would happen story about taking a bunch of street racers and somehow employing them with the government. And, you know, whatever. I mean, that's the way it was going for a while. In the beginning, it didn't start out that way, but. Um, I think this was a different element to, yeah, let's just not take ourselves seriously. Let's laugh at us for a minute, you know, yeah. and uh, I definitely welcome relief. I, I like the banter. I like Kevin Hart being in there. I like, well, here's the thing with Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, we were talking about Jason Statham being typecast. Ryan Reynolds is starting to be typecast because he's, he talks. It's almost like... <laughs> I don't, I, for some reason, it does. It, it works with with Statham, and it doesn't work with Ryan Reynolds because when Ryan Reynolds comes on screen, he talks like Ryan Reynolds, and I think Deadpool, or I think uh, any minute he's going to be Deadpool, or he's going to be um, like the the groom from the in laws or something, you know. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I just I, I don't know. I can't see him as anything else. See, okay, so I actually think he's um, a lot in the same vein as Jason Statham, where like he. He, he has such a sharp wit and I've always been a fan of his in all of his movies, even like, like the romantic comedies, like just friends. He's hilarious. And I think it depends on the movie itself because sometimes he'll have more of that biting, sharp machine gun mouth wit. Um, and other times he scales that back a little bit and, and just, it kind of paces himself a bit more. And I think it just depends on the source material, but I really do. And especially for a film like this, I thought it was so fun just to watch him just go off the hinges. And honestly, I, I wonder if most, if not all of what he says is completely ad libbed because it's so him. It's so quintessentially Ryan Reynolds. I don't think that what he had to say was in a script. Maybe there was like some sort of outline that he kind of adhered to, but like overall, I think that was mostly just Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. And for me, like I've I've always been a huge fan of just watching that take place, especially as it applies to the different celebrities who he plays off of. So like, for instance, like Dwayne Johnson was just, it was so fun to watch those two uh, do that thing together. Or like when he was, he he was in a film with Sandra Bullock and I thought that was a lot of fun too. That was a different dynamic. 
So anyway, and I think Kevin Hart was great too. You know, like Kevin Hart, um, he, I felt was, um, a little bit different because he has his own little stint that he does too. Like he's known for a certain type of, of projected persona that he emits. And I feel as though in this film, it was a, just a little bit different than like how he normally is, which is great. I thought it was really fun. I think it fit the kind of character that he was trying to be. I don't know. Like it, I could almost, I know I'm, I'm kind of like spitballing on this, but I could almost see if they were to continue doing this, if they were to make a certain number of tweaks to it, it could almost be like a lighthearted version of John wick. Only it would be two guys who were like the main characters in this, this world as opposed to just one. Again, there are certain tweaks that would be needed, but if they wanted to flesh it out and make it like this kind of a continuous thing, I don't know. I, th- I, I think it's possible. Okay. Ross, I don't see where you're going with that at all. Uh, but <laughs> oh, sure. Thanks, you know what? Appreciate I, I, that. I, I can, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll play with that notion. I'll, you play with it, Steve. What did you think of Idris Elba playing the antagonist? You know, he was cool. I liked him. Uh, he wasn't way over the top, which was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, he did a decent job. Um, you know, I, when I saw him on screen, I thought, what if he played, I wonder if, I wonder if he was thought of to play the new blade. Oh, I'm sure they probably molded over a bit. Yeah. But no, he was fine. He, uh, I liked how, I mean, I don't know. He really owned the role, which was cool. I think he was a bit slow, like in the fighting where if you're going to see fighting, you expect it to be pretty quick fast, sure. fast punches. And if you actually look through that, that preview, there's kind of, okay, here, punch, yeah, okay, dodge yeah. here. You know, maybe the, it was the choreographing, maybe it was him. I'm not really sure, but I know Jason Statham can fight a lot quicker than he was fighting in this movie. So let's talk about that for just a minute. So in the fighting, I had kind of a love hate relationship with the editing style of how they capture the fight scenes. I really loved kind of like the, the super slow-mo stuff. Like, like if they had a punch that connected or something, and then you saw kind of like the, the damage being done in slow-mo and you saw the sweat or drool or something, just kind of like emit out in slow motion. I thought that was really well done. But to your point, I felt like some of the more like normal speed fighting was just, it looked too rehearsed. It didn't look spontaneous enough. Did you feel the same way? That's what what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit different in that regard, um, which is unfortunate. Because like if you watch a movie like John Wick, I mean, John Wick's fighting is just topical. Right. It's super, super cool. What did you think of um, Vanessa Kirby playing Jason Statham's sister? I, you know, I think she was... I, during the dialogue moments, I think she was absolutely fine. I just don't think she was the right role for being a combatant. Mm. I... I, I, just, I Every, and when the, with the dialogue, it was great. And it's, by and large, she did not do a, a, a bad job. I uh, like the dynamic of the brother-sister relationship between her and Jason Statham. Like, I bought into them being siblings. Right. No, I'm, absolutely. I'm, absolutely. But more of that was just the dialogue. Yeah. I'm just talking more with the, with the, with the combat, with the fighting. I, just, I couldn't get behind her... Uh, doing the fighting and there was too many scenes with like her face not in the scene or the the angle was at an angle where you couldn't see it. So I thought, okay, she's obviously not doing the fighting 
And she doesn't, she doesn't portray herself as someone who knows how to do like mass combat and whatever. So it just lent itself to me thinking that, yep, stunt double here, stunt double there, stunt double here versus like Jason Statham or Dwayne Johnson. I mean, they have stunt doubles too, but they also do a lot more moves in the movie. What I just thought of is she was in one of the recent James Bond films. Was it James Bond or was it? Oh, no, it? no, 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 it was no, Jack Reacher. No, no, Mission, Mission Impossible. Impossible. I'm Jeez. sorry. It was one of those. <laughs> but actually her being in... Um, <laughs> Tom Cruise was in two of those at least. <laughs> two out of three. Um, I thought that she was much more of a threat in Mission Impossible. And I think it was just the way that she played that character. Right. And there really wasn't any kind of fighting that her character did, but the type of sophistication. Well, yeah. Like, like the approach that she brought to that character made it where like, I'm like, Ooh, I would not want to mess with her at all versus like what you're talking about here, which maybe that was intentionally done. Maybe like, you know, she was supposed to be like, she, she's a capable MI six operative and stuff. Maybe she's her forte is not necessarily in hand to hand combat or something, but maybe it was a vehicle designed to like have more sympathy for her situation that she found herself in. Who knows? But actually, I had another thought, too, going going back to the Did you have another thought? They just keep coming at me, Steve, like bullets. Um, I have a bit of a beef with some of these um, final fight sequences, if you will, when it comes to these where... Okay. I don't think they're brutal enough. Oh, man. Listen to you. (laughs) You got aliens on your mind, apparently. Well, so I, you know, I think about the final fight within uh, this film. I like the setting. I liked how it was raining. Sure. And like, you know, had lots of jagged rocks. You're just saying it's cliff. not real enough. Like if there was a, uh, like if I had metal in my knuckles and I was bulletproof and I just punched you just because I felt like punching <laughs> you. And you have such violent tendencies. Yeah, really, you would get a bruise on your face. And especially if I hit you like six times. There would be lots of swelling, yeah. yeah swelling, cuts, bruised nicks. You know, you're falling down on the dirt and the rocks. It's like you're, you're missing a lot of that stuff. You are. And actually, a film that does it really well, does a great job, in my opinion, is Lethal Weapon 4. Did you ever see Lethal Weapon 4? I did. I saw it in the theater. Okay. So, obviously, the main antagonist is Jet Li. And they're fighting on the docks, you know, and there's... man, so many like hand-to-hand combat things that are going on. I think at one point um, Mel Gibson like has his shoulder dislocated and he he, like slams it up against the, one of the, the, the dock beams, the wooden beams to like try and get it back into place again. And just the amount of brutality that was there, obviously it wasn't, I didn't feel it was over the top or overdone or anything like that, but it felt raw. It felt real to me. It felt like, Wow, this is this is a bit of a problem. Well, it makes it makes it hit home in a sense that yeah, if you got kicked in the gut, you know you're gonna lose your breath. If you got kicked in the face, you're gonna look scraped up. Like there's some totality to it. Well, and also too, like when when you think of um, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson as they they were trying to take on Jet Li, there was a lot more physical harm that was visible on their faces. I mean, you, they were really bleeding and like, it looked like, I think Danny Glover like missed it, like lost a tooth or something. I mean, it, it, like I said, it just, it felt more palpable and tangible than what we saw with this particular film because, and I mean, they had some, I mean, the, 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 the environment alone 
I mean, if you were to like just kind of like trip over your own foot and fall down on those rocks, that would freaking hurt. <laughs> those those look like some pretty. I mean, literally the only move where I kind of went whoa was at the end when Dwayne uh, Dwayne like takes uh, the bad guy and like does the whole like suplex, suplex thing, yeah. and then his head like smashes up against the rock. That's but I mean that was like okay, I felt that in my seat, but everything else was like. Okay, like he has kind of a little red boo-boo on his cheek. I'm like, no, dude. Like, I want to see their faces thrashed. I want to see their bodies thrashed. I, I mean, if this is something that that is close to, like, the fight of their lives, I really want to be able to feel it in the seat. For me, personally, I just didn't really feel that way. And honestly, I don't know if the film was rated PG-13 or R. I have a feeling it's 13. Yeah. I think that's probably why. Well, even if it's rated PG-13, I mean, if, if you think of it this way. I think that they made uh, Disney made a, a live version of the Jungle Book a while ago. Yeah, and there was people dying throughout that entire movie. There was people getting <laughs> like poisoned and shot and thrown off cliffs and stuff. I remember watching that and a kid thinking this is and that was PG. Yeah. So a PG thirteen, they can get away with more. I mean, they, it's not like they're you know hacking off their limbs and stuff. You're just lo- looking for a little bit more like roughed up, bleeding, bruised, and whatever. I also really liked Helen Mirren, who was in it. She was um, Jason Statham's mom. And she was in the movie Red, I believe. She was, yeah. yeah. I, I really like her. She she works with these types of films. I don't know. She just really fits nicely into it. And I don't really know too much about her acting career, you know, prior to Red. But uh, Purple, maybe. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Magenta. <laughs> so what else can we talk? You know, the, the soundtrack itself, I actually, you know what? Okay. So the, the film didn't have really that much of a orchestral soundtrack, but I found myself actually digging like three of the songs that they had chosen, like the music that was inspired by the film or whatever you want to call it. Um, I have no idea who those artists are, but I'm actually glad that I am talking about it now because I'm going to look up after this uh, recording just uh, the different songs on there because they had some some pretty slick ones, I felt like. Do you think so? I did. I mean, like, like there were certain ones where, like, as they were pulling up to, like, a certain scene and they got out of their cars and they're walking in and they're strutting or whatever, like, there were, like, three different songs that I, I actually, at one point in the theater, I brought up SoundHound on my phone, and, of course, it was too little too late because by the time the app got loaded and the song stopped, naturally. But that's how much I liked it. I was like, what, what's the name of the song? It's funny you bring up soundtrack because towards the end of the movie, when they were running through that, uh, that Russian weapons center or whatever, and I could hear the music playing in the back, and I thought, oh, Russ, Russ and soundtracks. And then I thought, man, I don't see how anybody can enjoy listening to this. <laughs> just driving to work on the highway, you know, I just, all the, the just blaring music, I don't, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I didn't really notice the soundtrack too much in it. Well, what are your concluding thoughts on this? Unless you have any other points you'd like to make. No, I would say that my concluding thoughts, uh, I think this was a refreshing uh, taste for the Fast and Furious movies. I, I, I like to get a break from the seriousness and kind of the like the hominess of yes. the Fast and the Furious a bit. I like to go in the movie and have a little more fun uh, and not think that uh, I needed to look like Toretto. Uh, <laughs> Who's Toretto? <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's Dom. He's the... Um, 
the buff dude, bald guy, the guy who, whose voice of Groot. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, go ahead. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Vin Gasoline. <laughs> so Vin <laughs> Unleaded. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I don't think I'll probably give it a second look, but you know, maybe if they brought out some deleted scenes or something, but I wish they had more car scenes in it. Mm. Uh, That's had, ironic. Yeah, really. I mean, I they, don't want a Fast and Furious movie because of all the cars, but I kind of do want some more cars. Yeah, they had, a, they had the 720 McLaren in there in the beginning. That's the car you see Jason driving in the, in the preview. And they had... Uh, the motorcycles, which I think were Bramos, if I'm not mistaken, I could be totally wrong, but I think there are electric kind of hybrid motorcycles, which were cool. I thought, I thought they would be neat if they could do a little more with those, but you basically don't get a lot of car action until towards the end, which you just, that doesn't really do much. There are kind of rat rods on the Island somehow getting traction and dirt. I don't know. Yeah, to me, that particular scene too, um, where they're on the, the island and, and the the choppers. I'm, I'm thinking that chopper could easily lift quite a few of those cars because yeah. those are like two seater cars, and it's a military chopper that is capable of holding like I don't even know like, like twelve people. Yeah. And, I don't know. Um, but yeah, with that scene when he flips on the nitrous and they all flip on the nitrous, but the the tires are like street tires yeah. and they're in dirt. <laughs> yeah. Lose more traction. That's the best idea you have. <laughs> Lose more traction when you're the only two wheels holding on. To, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Okay. I do think when it comes to a scene like that though, see, I think, I think this is one of the problems of the movie, which is, they skirted the line between it being completely over the top, like just crazy over the top versus trying to stay within the, the, the same vein as the Fast and the Furious. And even though the Fast and the Furious have certain stunts and scenes that you're just like, there is no way that would actually happen in real life. It's still grounded in this idea of like it's street racing. I think if they, from the get-go, like if this had nothing to do with the Fast and the Furious and they just had their own movie and they intentionally made it where like, not only did they, was it hard to believe that that could actually happen in real life, there is absolutely no way that any of the things that they found themselves could be actually be in real life <laughs> and they were unapologetic about it. Like, yeah, this is, what, this is the direction right. we're going. I do think that then you would have much more buy-in and honestly... Um, more of the audience willing the movie to like be even more outrageous where it's like, what the heck is that? Yeah, what that is, is going that on? That would never happen, but that is so awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't mean to, to interrupt you on your, your final thoughts. What review would you give it, Steve? What I, rating? I would say two and a half. Well, Steve, we are back in sync. <laughs> I too give it a two and a half star rating. I think the film was fun in parts. I, like I said earlier, I think that there is massive potential for this to actually do really, really well. I think that they need to make certain tweaks with the film and have it fully be its own identity. I think when it comes to the like, just the the banter, I think the, the the banter and the chemistry between the these larger than than life actors and the characters they play is 
so paramount for this type of film. And I would really want to see them expand that and just have a lot more fun with it. Have more of the, the rivalries, the, the, the fun bickering, uh, the teasing, maybe even when you have the buddy, buddy hookups and stuff and, and, and they, they can trash talk the villains that sort of thing. It almost makes me think of Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker because a lot of like the fast talking, chemistry teasing, that sort of thing. That's honestly, that's one of the main pillars of what made those movies so fun to go watch. I was actually thinking of Chris Tucker watching this movie. Whatever happened to Chris Tucker? He just took time off. I I, I think um, he got super famous really fast and I think he just needed to have some alone time. I hope that he'll come back. But... Absolutely. I mean, Chris Tucker would be a completely natural fit for this type of film. And really, I mean, another film, too, that comes to mind is The Expendables. You know, like The Expendables was more of a a bromance action movie, if you will, where like it had all like your favorite action stars from like the 80s and 90s. But... In, but they didn't have as much of like the the trash talk fun that this one had. Right. I think like if like if they can marry like kind of like the Expendables, but with the WWE kind of mentality, and then throw in like your 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 fast talking comedians, I think it'd be a blast. Although they still had just as many fist bumps, they had quite a <laughs> few fist bumps. Yes, no, it was it okay, was, brother. Here's what we're gonna do. All right, brother. I'm listening to you, brother. All right, brother. I love it, dude. I cannot. I remember just even back when it was called WWF. I absolutely loved all that. I thought it was great. But um, yeah, in terms of of everything else that the movie had to offer, I would like to see the the fighting choreography be a bit more snappy, a bit more original, and just have more of that that brutality, that edginess, that sort of thing. And also just in terms of the the film's storyline itself, I would like there to be, obviously in action movies, you're not going to have like this huge thought provoking thing. But as we have seen with the Mission Impossible franchise, as we've seen with the James Bond reboot, as we've seen with John Wick, you can actually have a very intense plot line that you're on the edge of your seat. You're just like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. Or like True Lies is another example. Yeah. True Lies is an older example, but it is a very relevant example indeed. So... That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see all of you next week.